Hello, Lions Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with Lions with Thoughts Podcast. On this episode, I am chatting with friend Michelle Whitney. Michelle was born and raised in Connecticut. She is a CIA graduate in baking and pastry, but moved to front of the house right after graduation. Since then, she's been living in San Francisco, gaining experience in restaurants and living her best life. And the reason I wanted to have Michelle on is because she was very, her story is very interesting to me because Basically, like I just said, she started in baking and pastry, and then she moved to front of house right away. She moves from Hyde Park, New York, out to San Francisco to start working um, some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty established restaurants, and she's doing front of house, something she re- didn't really go to school for. I mean, yes, we do get training at the Culinary Institute of America for front of house, but we necessarily aren't trained fully or I, in my opinion, I, I mean, like, I would have liked to have more real-world experience before I went to front of house. But Michelle decided that it's something she really wanted to do, and she found out through her wines class, which we talked about on the podcast. And she, so she made this move across the country to go pursue her passion. And I really enjoy this podcast because we learn about Michelle's background. We learn about her time, uh, learning about baking. And then she is able to tell us how she was able to move across the country, which I know for a lot of you, uh, when this is all over with, um, you still probably will want to move across the country at some point to work at a restaurant of your choosing. And I think she is a perfect example for that. She then goes into kind of managing to work her way into some pretty well-known fine dining restaurants and how she's been able to learn front of house and how she is really much a student of uh, wine, spirits, how she, you know she was able to taste different spirits weekly, taste wines that you probably wouldn't be able to taste anywhere else. And she really just gives a good idea of what it's like to be working in the front of house in the city of San Francisco and how she's been able to learn and grow in that area. Um, I'm very proud that she was able to make that move. I'm very proud to kind of watch her regress her career. And so I really wanted to have her on uh, near the like, back half of the podcast. We talk about what she's doing now to kind of keep herself busy during the whole pandemic uh, quarantine shutdown that's affecting the world right now. And I really just wanted to have a friend on who I think is doing a really great job in the industry. And I'm so excited to see where she goes, but just very excited to have her on. I hope you all are doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in, trying to do as many of these as possible, because I know, um, you know, I, 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 I would hope that I was able to, in some way, keep putting out content through this that helps you stay inspired. So I hope Michelle's story inspires you in some way. And uh, here we go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I've known Michelle for a long time, for everyone listening. Uh, I met her in college. Uh, She's a good friend there. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because, uh, you know, going through this time, I think it's very important that we share the stories of everyone in the industry. And so if you just want to introduce yourself, I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, um, my name is Michelle. I've known Ray since college. He was my RA, uh, and then we ended up being RAs together. Uh, so known each other for a very long time. I work in the food industry. I'm a server, work from the house in this establishment in San Francisco. It's been open for 13 years, so really a homebody for a lot of people who know the restaurants here in the city. Um, we've been open for so long, and just like everyone else, definitely facing the unemployment side of it right now. Mm-hmm. Really tough right now uh, with everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm sure we'll get that get to that in a little bit. But I mm-hmm. first off wanted to start with your story and uh, kind of how you got into food. But I guess so first off, where are you from and what was food like for you growing up? Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut originally. Um, no major big food scenes, but a big Italian family. So a lot of home cooking and a lot of baking. My brother and I definitely got that side from my mom. She's always been a great cook and 
baker. Somehow she managed to do both. And me and him actually just immediately connected with it. We both went into tech schools and both did culinary throughout high school. My mm-hmm. first job was a bake was working at a bakery. Um, I've always loved food. And I love how food brings people together because that is our base connections with one another. Um, okay. And yeah, and then soon after, I just started, moved on to college. I did customer service, um, and then would help out in the back. Was mostly in charge of cupcakes and cookie decorating. Um, worked there even went back for the holidays up until the point where I moved out here to San Francisco. Um, So yeah, it was a really great place to start, you know, going to college for baking was a great introduction to doing that. And also being in high school, learning about the culinary world through uh, these mentors eyes also. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that you had a you know, large Italian family and that was a big part of inspiring you to uh, get into cooking. What were some mm-hmm. dishes that you grew up with that you remember? Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, right before Christmas Eve, we all got together and made homemade pastas together just cool. so that we got that ready for Christmas Eve. So it was kind of like we had two parties to celebrate during this holiday season. We always had cookies in the house, always fresh cookies. Uh, my mom, she works constantly growing up and having a family with two, an older brother and sister, we you know, were constantly in and out of the house, always moving with sports. And she would always somehow manage to make the most delicious meals from nothing. Um, a lot of chicken growing up, but it was always cooked in different <laughs> ways. It was like mind blowing how she would always be able to do that. Um, yeah. But mothers are why we are here, honestly. She really is yeah. a core of like, she taught me how to bake. She taught me how to cook. And to this day, she's always cooking and always baking. Okay. Are there certain uh, like moments or memories that you take with you um, or that you took with you into baking in college and all that? I don't know. Like, I, like, for example, for me, my mom, the first thing she taught me how to cook was eggs. So, like, whenever I was in college learning how to cook eggs or whenever I cook eggs now, I always remember that first day of my mom teaching me how to do that. Do you have any, uh, I guess, memories like that that you kind of stick to to get inspired? Yeah, definitely when it comes to cookies. She's always um, – every, you know, Christmas we made cookies and would freeze them and, make, like, constantly spend days making them. And that was my way of connecting with people. So even I would ask them, well, what's your favorite cookie? And it's their birthday. And I would go home, make them cookies, and come back with a full tray for them. Um, I was just kind of my way of greeting people and getting to know someone. And I it says a lot when, someone, when you ask someone's their favorite cookie. And mm-hmm. their answer, I feel like, says it all about that person, whether it's a snickerdoodle, such a classic cookie with cinnamon on the outside, even the chocolate chip cookie, very classic. And you get to know people through that. So that was kind of my way of saying, hello, world, here's some cookies and enjoy it. It warms people's hearts when you do that. Yeah. What, are you, what is your favorite cookie? Uh, I love oatmeal raisins. Oatmeal so, raisin is a good choice. Yeah. Chewiness of that. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Those are really good. Um, great. So obviously... Uh, cooking or baking for you was something that you were really interested in at a young age. Uh, were there any moments in like restaurants where you kind of realized you'd want to do it full time or when did that kind of snap into place for you? I think I've always known um, since I was little. I always knew I wanted to be a part of the food industry, but I never knew what I want to do in it. But with pastry, it was something I love the complexity of it. I love how you have to follow a recipe to the T or else you might not get the cake that you want for for it to come out like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had fun with the pastry side of it. And it wasn't really until I went to college and learned more in depth with pastry did I kind of get the sense of, oh, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Maybe not. So maybe I'll go from the house, but you know, deep down, I know at some point I will end up back in the kitchen one day. I think yeah. 
that's also the beauty of the food industry is that you have the opportunity to do whatever you would like with it. Whether you're tired of being in the kitchen, moving from the house, or you're in from the house and you want to learn how to cook more, so you take up a kitchen job, um, you have that flexibility to do that with this career. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Um, what was the, I guess, what was the moment or what made you kind of think that you wanted to try something else other than baking in your career? I think when I realized most of my jobs was hospitality, working at a you know bakery, but I was mostly doing customer service there, um, always having interactions and face-to-face with guests whether that was being in a coffee shop also, you know, picking that up during college, I, you know, realized I was talking more to guests and having that face-to-face interaction and wanting to know who those guests were. Um, And then it kind of just hit me like, oh, maybe I should go from the house and try that instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. It's always interesting to kind of see how things change because I remember when I was in college I mean I, I don't know if you remember this but like my first two years or I was really into like Michelin and fine dining yeah. and like I really oh, thought yeah. that's all I was going to do and then I kind of realized that there's so much more out there in terms of media which like what I'm doing now or like uh, food service management or whatever you know else there is in the industry I was so set on one thing and I think what happened over time is I realized how diverse like you said the food industry is and how much more there is out there in terms of jobs and what you can do with your career path. For sure. I mean, even for myself, I remember during college, not even thinking about Michelin being an option. I remember freshman year, everyone's throwing out these names and I had no idea who these chefs were or what these restaurants were about. (laughs) And then my first job right out of college was a three Michelin star restaurant. It's kind of, it's weird (laughs) how, how quickly it changes. Yeah. Um, so going through college, uh, what, I guess, did you like going and learning about food? I mean, did you like your time there? And um, I guess, what were some big takeaways you had uh, for yourself while going through the baking program? I loved it. I loved the college, but I think what changed everything for me were the people that I was meeting. Um, I loved the classes and the chefs. They were really awesome mentors and had so much knowledge to share. And for someone who really didn't have much experience with pastry to have the ability to learn about making croissant. And it didn't matter if you never made a croissant before. If you did make a croissant before, you were all starting from the same point in time. And so you had the total opportunity to learn and grow as much as you can. Um, But Mm -hmm. the people really did help that whole experience I mean being in a college specifically about food and knowing everyone around you is there loving food and wanting to learn about food I think really helped push yourself to learn and try different things for sure yeah um yeah I mean I totally agree it's definitely a great environment where you can kind of throw yourself in and just kind of you know educate yeah. yourself on anything you really want. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was a good environment. And uh, so when you were in college, obviously, it, we were talking about, you were thinking of maybe not doing baking out of school. What um, what kind of switched your mind to kind of going into front of house? I mean, obviously, like you had that experience. But I guess when you were in college, were you nervous about leaving the bakery? I wasn't. I had the realization, actually, when I did the wine class, I started off you know thinking okay maybe let's stick with pastry but when I did the wines class I absolutely fell head over heels for it everything about it the talking about the wine the way we taste the wine the way we like pair it with the food and even though right now I'm not really that big of a wine person I still Mm -hmm. love that really was a turning point for me um and then the more I then the next step was having the front of the house class at Apple Pie. And then that kind of was the nail on the head of I think I really want to do this. I really love to talk to people and get to know people and get to 
experience, you know, help their experience while they just have, you know, to them a simple lunch. But for me, that's my day right there is seeing them and meeting them. Okay. And, you know, going or thinking about like service and thinking about, um, suggesting wine or working with wine, like you said yourself, you maybe now you're not even that much of a wine person, but there definitely is like a, um, yeah, there's just like an elevation in my mind of like, if someone is able to work in the back house and then also be fluent in the front of house. And it's definitely something that I hope to work on in the coming years. Cause I don't have that like kind of baseline knowledge of wine. Like, yes, I do have some, but nowhere near where I think I should be. And so I really think it was a smart move. Or I think it's a really cool move that you decided to kind of, um, you know, broaden your knowledge and you were able to like kind of see that the more you had under your belt, the more successful you're most, you're more likely to become. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did you, um, I mean, so when you graduated college, were you like, did you have a job secured? Is that when you started looking for a job? Still in college, when I was looking for a job, um, I was definitely ambitious with just shooting my shot with Michelin and only Michelin restaurants. I never previously had a survey job. I worked customer service, but not actual like table side survey. Um, mm-hmm. So I reached out to a bunch of Michelin restaurants. No one really got back to me other than Quinn's. And I had a full interview through FaceTime because at the time I was in New York, Quinn's is in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. I, they offered me the job and I took it without even any knowledge of what that was going to be like. I had no idea what I was walking myself into. And I've really? actually never even been to San Francisco before I took the job. So I graduated college two weeks later, I packed my stuff and I moved out to San Francisco. And then two days later, I started at Quince, uh, three Michelin star restaurant. Wow. Were you yeah. nervous at all? Like moving out to San Francisco? I mean, that's, that's, was, that would, that's such a big move. It's so nerve wracking. Um, it's so, so scary. And I tell everyone this, it was the scariest moment of my life, but it was so worth it. Um, there were definitely moments where I considered myself extremely lucky, especially like finding a roommate, finding a place to live, um, meeting people. But I, I guess the stars aligned at that moment where you get the gut feeling of this is right. And I, I had, I know this is going to be a good thing. And I had that feeling. So I just went for it. Okay. And so I guess how did, for because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that listen that want to do the move that you did. So you secured the job, but like what, what was the process like of finding housing, finding a roommate? I mean, I know that's not going to be an option for everyone, but there are a lot of people that message me and kind of ask about, you know, I would love to take this job, but it's across the country. I'm not really sure how to do it. So what was your process like? So at least someone has yeah. a base knowledge of what you did. Absolutely. So I got the job. The job was confirmed. I knew almost no one actually Ray you were the one that contacted me someone and was like hey I have a friend that's going to move and start at Quinn's and he was moving at Quint uh was currently working at Quinn's and that person is actually now my roommate so thank you Ray for that I totally forgot about that oh yeah, my yeah 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 you're you were right. the one that introduced me to one of my roommates now but at the time, um, he was my one connection. And obviously, if you're moving across country and you're looking for an apartment, I recommend this to everyone. Just find a long-term, like, hostel, Airbnb, something that's super cheap, you know, and just a place that you could basically sleep and eat at. Just so you could have the opportunity to actually see those apartments in person and get to meet those people because – I almost got scammed. I know so many people that have been scammed and lost thousands of dollars because unfortunately there are scammers out there. And if you're looking for an apartment that you can't physically go and look at, you're going to risk that possibility. Um, So I stayed at an Airbnb. It was more like a hostel. And I was looking at apartments when I arrived. Um, When I started working at Quince and starting to get to know my coworkers and started talking to others. 
that's when it came to be, oh, I have someone that's looking for a roommate and me and that person connected and next thing you know, I moved in with her like a, I think it was like a week after we met, I moved in with her. Um, so that's why I meant when the stars aligned for me. I know mm-hmm. it's not as easy as everyone. Um, I do consider myself extremely lucky with how things played out, but it's definitely a tough process. It's, it is exhausting and nerve wracking, especially if you were someone like me who was moving to a city with honestly not that much money in her bank account. Um, you got to make it work and make the sacrifices. I, you know, did not go out to eat or spend money at restaurants for at least three months of when I moved out here and I felt myself established. You have to take those, you know, take that kind of risk with it too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure it was nerve wracking, you know, as everyone knows, San Francisco is not a cheap place to live and going out there to work, you know, it's tough, especially in this industry. Um, uh, without like, I guess, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much you're able to talk about, I guess not your time, but like, I guess I just would like to know, seeing as you had no uh, real front of house experience besides school and uh, maybe some guest interactions, how was it like kind of adjusting to this new role or this new sector of the industry that you've never been in? Um, just as nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> it was, I think I spent a lot of my, I did spend almost all my free time, you know, memorizing that menu, memorizing four plans, memorizing, you know, looking over wine lists, looking over for the, for Quince, we had plates with specific names on it and we need to know exactly where those plates were coming from and how they were made and produced. Uh, we have artwork throughout the whole dining room that you need to know the name of the artist and what year those like that art was released. There was a lot of information that I was just spending my any moment I had just studying over and over and over again. And when I was actually working, I was just constantly asking questions because that is your number one. It's, it's on you to know these, this information, but it's also on you to ask those questions. Um, everyone there, you know, wanted to help me and wanted the best for me also. So there was never a moment where I felt like I was on my own and I was struggling with trying to get information it was you know questions inside and out and people were always answering them for me constantly um yeah it was you know a challenge but it was in the end a rewarding challenge that I'm very grateful for the experience yeah um I mean definitely it's a big thing I kind of try to say or something I guess I should start saying more is asking questions is key I remember my first chef I ever went or had the pleasure of being mentored by he always said keep a notebook in your back pocket and a pen because you're going to ask questions you're going to need to write down the answers um is there any resources that yeah right I mean like I I just don't know like how like notebooks and pens are so valuable to a chef I'm sure you'll agree that or just anyone in the food industry, but it's you're never going to remember everything. So I always feel like you need to write down everything. I have random little notebooks all in my room with just random information on it. And I can tell you right away, like I'll point at a notebook and be like, that's from the time I started at Quince. I could tell you exactly what's in that notebook. It's the floor map I constantly was drawing out. Or this notebook was from my externship while I was in college and it has all these recipes that I will never use it. But for some reason, sometimes I like to look back at those recipes and I have them still. Yeah. No, it's good to keep those notes because you never know what you'll need or when you'll look back and kind of get inspired to do something else with them. So, I mean, I totally agree. I still have all my notebooks from college and other workplaces. Um, I'm wondering what other resources did you use outside of work books, uh, online media? Was there anything else you kind of used to help accelerate your education or knowledge of the front of house as you were trying to do really well at your job? 
The first book I bought immediately was our lovely The Wine Bible, which I'm sure a lot of people either own or have read. Um, but at the time, like I, I really had no knowledge of wine. So definitely entering that book was super intimidating for me because if you've never seen it, it's a big book. And But honestly, it's the best book to start learning the basics of wine. Um, what I definitely recommend doing is if you're new to front of the house, I would grab your wines by the glass sheet of whatever restaurant you're at and go to the wine Bible and follow your wines by the glass with the wine Bible. Uh, for example, if you have a glass that is from Italy, then read the chapter about Italy and Italian wines and take notes about them. That really helped me understand my wines by the glass for um, my jobs and getting more information and knowledge that way also. Um, and constantly read, 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 read. Wine Follies <laughs> is a great book also. I have that one. Um, I All my roommates are all food industries, so we have you know nonstop books about wine, that bourbon, beer, and I'm just always reading them. Okay. What are what are some spirits you're really into right now? Uh, right now, bourbon for sure. I'm a bourbon girl, absolutely. Um, and why is that? I don't know. I just really love a glass of bourbon over ice. Not sure why, okay. how that came to be, no idea. But um, I will definitely say I would take the time of going to my neighborhood bar and sitting down and trying some of the bourbon they had on on their shelf to kind of get myself knowledgeable about those different tastes too that's something that I did when I first started um and not just bourbon you know with everything I remember I would walk in and say today I want to try different shirt like your different the green and yellow chartreuse like what's the difference with them I don't know and I would sit down and mm -hmm. try each and that's would be my only drink of the night. And then I'll be like, thank you. That's all I want. <laughs> just try these <laughs> different liquors instead of buying a whole bottle for myself. Might as well just go to the bar and try it. And then I would yeah. leave. And just each day would, or each week would be a different um, liquor of choice. That's a good idea. We, you know, break it up weekly and then go taste them all. What about wine? I mean, I, you know, as someone who's in the industry and you, like you said, living in San Francisco, was it tough to kind of get your hands on wine to taste or did you have a system for that as well? I definitely had assistance with uh, my jobs. I have, um, well, I guess right now my job that I'm at now, they really uh, want to give us the best knowledge and information as possible. And I could easily you know email my wine director and say i'm not really understanding the tasting notes by this new wine by the glass is it okay if we go if i come in early and we could talk about it and they would say absolutely do it let's like let's try the glass again and let's talk about it a little bit more in detail so i would always say reach out to your coworkers, um not even wine directors if you have a coworker that has knowledge on wine sit down with them, ask them questions, ask them, you know, I don't understand. I'm not smelling what you're smelling. Where do you get that? And, you know, for me, they walk through it with me, um, which I'm so appreciative of always. Okay. That's, that's really cool uh, that you're able to have those connections and kind of have the education at your fingertips. Um, you know, when you, uh, when you first started tasting wine to now, I, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people who are newer in the industry through line cook thoughts and a lot of people who want to start with front of house say that it's very hard for them to kind of distinguish flavors in spirits, distinguish flavors in wine. How are you able to kind of build the ability to distinguish all these different flavors and nuances and this stuff? Was it just tasting as many as you can or, or were you like, you know what I mean? Like, was it hard for you at first to kind of yeah. get the notes that everyone was saying? Definitely. Definitely. I very, I have the hardest time, you know, smelling or tasting some notes that people taste and smell. Um, but I think my manager puts it the best way. This is your nose and that is your mouth that's tasting it. That's what you taste then. Um, so she's always like, it's wine. There's no really wrong answers when you're tasting. 
And I think for me at the time, I felt like there were wrong answers when tasting wine and you should automatically know what you're tasting and what you should be smelling. But, and so that was a hard time for me kind of understanding that wine up until a point where it was more, okay, what do we taste? And everyone shares it. And then having that discussion, oh, you taste this. Well, I also think that I taste more like leather on it or whatever. And um, having that discussion about, okay, well, maybe I also can taste this. Oh, wait, now I'm tasting what you're tasting. Um, So I think it's definitely discussion and communicating back and forth. Um, The amount of times where everyone's like, oh, I smell all these berry notes and I'm just sitting there like I just smell alcohol right now and sometimes that happens but at least you have people around you discussing it so you could if you have an opportunity to go back to that wine one day and actually you know taste it and smell it for once okay yeah that's really cool I mean I know for me it's very difficult for me to kind of distinguish things um and I know that's something I need to get better at but I will take your advice on, uh, you know, if you smell a certain thing, it is your nose. Because I think a lot of times I'll, I won't catch half the things that I read on a label that it's supposed to have. So definitely um, have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be, I always say like, don't ever be intimidated by a glass of wine. I am, you know, I have far less knowledge than a lot of people around me. Um, but I think what people shouldn't do when you're tasting wine together is don't discourage each other. If you say, Oh, I taste this. And that person's like, well, I don't really taste that, but I taste this. Don't, you know, kind of say, well, you're wrong. You'll encourage them to try again and to see kind of how you're seeing it. Um, So never be intimidated by a glass of wine. I feel like that's what really discourages people is intimidation with it. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll definitely keep that in mind. And I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, will hopefully have the courage to go back to the wine if they are uh, having issue with it. Um, And then kind of moving forward uh, into, I guess, your level of service, was it hard for you to kind of pick up the Michelin star level of service that you needed, um, not having a lot of experience in the Um, industry? I don't think so. I think... What helped was that I didn't really have much knowledge. So that helped me grow into the Michelin service, the fine tablecloths, the way things should really be done. Um, What actually hurt me more was leaving Michelin and having that feeling of, oh, I'm no longer in Michelin. I'm somewhere more casual. I don't have to, you know, do specific steps like Michelin does anymore. So mm-hmm. going going into it was easy, but getting out of it was actually harder for me. Um, now working at a restaurant that's a little less fine dining, a little yeah, less fine dining. Yeah. I remember, remember my manager being like, "You don't have to do that anymore. Like you don't have to, you know, you could hold the glass, um, you know, a wine glass bottom if it's wiggling on your tray. Like it's okay." And feeling like, no, I have to, I can't touch like the wine glass. I have to, you know, stand perfect form and Mm -hmm. um, them kind of be like, you could be a little bit more relaxed now um, was definitely the hardest transition for me. Okay. Did you like how rigid Michelin was? Yes and no. I loved every, like the steps of service and everything about it, but I personally felt like I was losing myself in my own personality. Um, I kind of started to feel like a robot almost in a sense where I would drop food and I would spill the plates in front of guests um, and guests would ask me questions. And there are certain guests that definitely want you to be more casual and a little bit laid back if, especially if they've never died in Michelin. But there's also guests who dine in Michelin very frequently and are expecting you to be like drop my food, spill the plates and walk away. Um, So I did feel like I was losing myself in my own personality where I felt like I had to be cautious about how I respond to guests and how I talk to some guests um, in the fear that I was being too casual. And 
I, yeah, I just kind of felt like I lost myself, which is why I did end up leaving Michelin. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's totally understandable. And yeah. From both, I mean, I've, I've heard that. I've heard people who love, like, love it. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's just based on your own, whatever it is you like or value, but yeah, absolutely. it definitely is interesting to kind of, I guess, or I think it's good that you know what you want to do. Um, so what, I mean, pending that our industry kind of stays the same and we're going to get to that in a second, but what is your goal over the next like five years? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, I think the beauty about the food industry is that you could kind of do whatever you want with it. Um, and so that's kind of have, has been my mindset. Um, kind of, you know, I've accomplished Michelin and now I'm at a restaurant that's less fine dining. Um, but I'm taking on more serving roles there and, you know, getting to know more wine. And now I'm at the point um, where I'm not sure what I want to do. I have goals for when I'm, you know, 50 and I want to own a farm, even though I've never worked on a farm, but that's something that I do want to accomplish one day. Mm -hmm. Um, For now, though, I think the big thing for me is traveling, you know, getting to learn different um, cultures through traveling and being able to work at different restaurants around the world is definitely mm-hmm. something that I'm going to try to achieve. Um, that was the plan. Um, but obviously with these circumstances happening now, who knows? Yeah. Um, why, uh, why a farm? Why do you feel like you, that's something you want to go after later on in life? Uh, because it's just, it's home base. You can't have a restaurant without your farmers that it's everything. Um, and I'm so appreciative with our farmers, even now who are still, you know, doing farmers markets here. Um, it's just so, such a beautiful job and it's hard job. It's the dirty job, but it doesn't go unnoticed because our farmers are really what keeps us up in rolling through our restaurants. Okay. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I was actually reading an article today. And what I found interesting kind of getting into what's going on nowadays is that this did happen during seasons. So a lot of farms, I mean, obviously, there's a big worry about local farms and farms and farmers in general, but it did kind of happen mid-season. Um, so there's the, there's a hope right now, I guess, in most or some of the farming community that farms that were able to sell to supermarkets and restaurants now that the demand is so much higher in supermarkets that they'll still be able to make that profit or continue to make that profit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it's very interesting and I'm very excited and hopeful that local farms are going to be able to push through this because yes, while small restaurants are being put on hold right now, there is such more demand for food. And I think that's a big thing with farming is that there's still such a large demand for food. Like people still have to eat and while restaurants might not be open, there's definitely a lot of farmers out there who can get produce and get um, just quality food to supermarkets that they're able to, you know, that they're able to grow in their local area. So I really hope out of all of this, that a lot more larger supermarkets are able to take in a lot more locally sourced produce. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for San Francisco, uh, farmers markets are still essential right now. So we have multiple farmers market, but our largest one takes place on Saturday and, um, you know, you'll, I've been going every Saturday since our shelter at home has been in place and they absolutely recognize us. They see us every week and, um, I'll share a little story how this past Saturday, one of the farmers, uh, recognized that we were restaurant people and gave us the produce we were about to buy from them for free because they knew we didn't have a job right now and they were giving back to us just as much as we try to give back to them. Um, so I think it's just super special that they re- all know we're in a tough spot right now, but they're still here and they're still trying to sell their produce. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for farmer's markets, wherever you are, even if it's a small one, just reach out and try to buy as much produce as you can from them. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's really cool. That's that. I mean, I just think it shows a community and, something that I think is very important in our industry that um, I think we're going to 
you know, I feel like a lot of chefs over the past few years have really, or the past decades have tried to make sure farmers are taken care of. And it's kind of cool to see farmers taking care of cooks right now during all of this. Yeah. What, um, so t- walk me through now, what was it like being in San Francisco when this all happened? Cause you know, we really haven't been able to catch up much and I figured it would be a good, you know, obviously a, a podcast would be a good place to kind of do that on because yeah. hopefully people will relate to, you know, the story you're going through and what we're all going through, but what was it like being in San Francisco and having this all happen? Um, it was kind of like, it was like a cloud was following you. Um, uh, we've all started to see the changes early um as early as actually the end of February was really when we started to see changes throughout the restaurants uh less and less people were coming in um less and less um you know service was getting a lot slower um and gradually the government was mandating how many people you could have at a restaurant at a time so it was all very slowly approaching but we all we're noticing it happening. Um, and our shelter in place here happened on March 17th, but restaurants were closing before that date even came to be. Um, my roommate, she is a sous chef at a restaurant. They decided that they were going to shut down the restaurant and close it until this is all over. And that was before they put in the shelter in place. Um, so, yeah, we were definitely all seeing the gradual changes, um, and we were all talking about it with each other, too, about, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen, and there was such an uncertainty. No one really knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, got an email from my restaurant very late at night, and that was their kind of, like, decision of we – First, are going to try and change the hours so we were no longer going to be open late. Um, and for our establishment, we are known to be open up until one, uh, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then we changed it to 11 o'clock um, mm-hmm. just because we weren't getting anyone coming in at those hours anymore. And then it two days later, that's when they decided we're just going to close down the restaurant. Um so it's kind of like it was gradually, you could gradually see it happening to out of nowhere it happened. Um, mm-hmm. So it was definitely very nerve wracking. Um, I think the hard part was guiding yourself with guests who wanted to kind of break away from all the news of this virus and what was going to happen and trying to go out to eat and trying to stay optimistic and give them reassurance and give them a good distraction for the night um, without them feeling too worried about what might happen. Um, that definitely was, I think, the fine line that you had to worry about during service. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, because at one, at one end of the spectrum, restaurants are a place where people go to kind of get away from their lives or get away from the troubles they're having. You know, you go to a restaurant, you want to eat, you want to have a good time with your friends or family and you want to be able to kind of forget the world for a little bit. But at the same time, the restaurant industry, I feel like was one of the biggest to get hit or one of the first at least to get hit. So uh, definitely can understand where you're coming from in that. What, um, so obviously right now you're not working. What have you been doing to kind of spend this time? I mean, are you, are you working on anything? Are you cooking a lot more? Like what are some activities you've been doing since the quarantine kind of started? Um, well, I think the big thing right now is having four other roommates who are all in the food industry. We actually, for once, have the time to be together and hang out. Um, you know, while we were working, we might not all have the same day off, so we can't always hang out with one another at the same time. But now we have the opportunity to actually be together. So uh, we're constantly cooking. We are always making a dinner menu for the evening and you know seeing what we want to cook um i'm a huge puzzle person so i've been doing a <laughs> lot of puzzles a lot of puzzles um and playing card games for sure i think our new tradition right now is cooking dinner sitting down enjoying the meal together and then immediately clearing the table and playing a game of cards 
Okay. That, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. What are what are some meals you've been, uh, what are some highlights of meals that you've made over the last few days? Ooh, we had a personal pizza night. I made pizza dough. Nice. Um, and we each kind of made our own little pizzas. We had a fried chicken night with um, braised cabbage. That was really delicious. It's a mac and cheese. Uh, we had a chicken um, with some black truffle because okay. somehow <laughs> someone ended up with black truffle and it, it was in our house. So we were like, okay. So we did some ch- chicken with black truffle. Um, yeah, it's been really fun kind of creating these meals together. Okay. And what do you hope, what do you hope to gain out of the, uh, the end of this? Like, I mean, obviously you're going to have a lot of meals that you're going to cook at home. You're going to be able to spend time with your friends, but when you come out the other side of this, I guess, what do you, uh, what do you hope to see out of the industry? And like, what do you hope to kind of accomplish once you're out? I mean, have you like had any time to kind of reflect on what it is you like really want or what things you really want to work on once this is all over with? I think right now what I'm kind of working on is just mental health. Um, just kind of staying grounded, staying recognize that we have this moment as industry workers who are on our feet. We work late hours. Sometimes we don't have that time for ourselves. So taking that moment to take deep breaths, to meditate, to, you know, kind of get to know yourself personal, personally and on a more personal level and taking care of your mental health. And hopefully we could come out of this to recognize that that time to breathe together, uh, we should carry that on. Um, I think I don't want us to just go back to work and next thing you know, we're working, 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 and we look back and think, oh, we don't spend enough time together anymore like we had the chance to do in quarantine. Um, hopefully we could take that out of, out of all of this. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. I think I would hope that like you said, when this is all said and done, that in the industry, we do realize that chefs and cooks do need the time to kind of balance their lives out and kind of get things in order. The biggest thing that I see people struggling with is not having that time up until this happened and kind of trying to, you know, repiece their life together because a lot of people like they go to work every day they're working very hard and I, I mean I admire everyone in this industry who's able to do that but sometimes things are left that you don't really take care of until like that one or two days off in a row and to have this kind of happen it's just like you're not really able to go out and take care of things and you know I worry about the financial status of a lot of cooks and I worry about just in general what a lot are doing to spend their time and like you said the mental health aspect of it this can be very challenging if all you really do is work and you don't have that place to kind of, you know, stabilize yourself anymore. So I really do hope that we have somewhat of a better culture in terms of working when this is all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great. I mean, is there any, uh, so, I mean, I guess like the last part of the interview I was going to ask you is, is there anything outside of cooking that you're kind of interested in right now? Or I don't know, is there any like, music you're listening to or things that are inspiring you outside of the food world? Or is it mostly just what you said before? Um, I would definitely say I have been more open to movies. I have such a hard time sitting down and watching movies. And now, and when we do sit down you know, together as a group to watch movies, I'm usually the one to be like, oh, I don't really want to watch this movie. But now I'm actually taking the recommendations people are handing at me and actually sitting down to watch them. And I have to say, I've been watching some really good movies, movies that I usually wouldn't have been watching um, or would have picked out before. So at least I'm getting caught up on my movies um, and taking <laughs> that opportunity for sure. What are some what are the, some of the movies you watched recently? Oh my goodness. Let's see. There was one called Upgrade, which is this thriller kind of sci-fi movie um i definitely recommend that i will say it is yeah definitely on the thriller side <laughs> what else have i been watching um this spy movie called the man called uncle i would never i never watch spy movies not a fan of james bond i'm sorry for everyone out there who loves james bond 
So it's actually like a super kind of almost borderline corny spy movie, but it was so well done that it was funny and just it was really awesome. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen either of those, so I'll have to go and check them out. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I, I think it's cool to kind of not only see what you're doing with food, but also what else you're doing beyond that. Mm-hmm. Because I think during this time, a lot of people are finding new things. Like you said, like you have time now to watch movies, and so. I think it's very interesting to kind of see cooks get the time to do what they've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. Obviously I want to thank you for coming on um, with such short notice, you know, we talked last night about it and, you know, grateful that you had to come on the show. But the question I always end is now that you've been on the podcast, I mean, you've been a supporter of the page and what I've been doing for a while. And we've obviously been friends for a while, but now that you're on, you are a member of the Line Cook Nation. And so I was just wondering uh, what that means to you to kind of be on the podcast and kind of talk through this and help a group or a community of chefs, cooks, and people in the food service industry trying to connect and learn more about each other. Uh, it's such an honor to be on this podcast because I think it really is a great channel for all of us to be heard and listened to. Um, you know, I think right now through these uncertain times, a lot of people may feel like they're alone and they're struggling and they don't understand what's happening and that's totally okay. Um, so I'm really grateful for you to find me so that I could be that voice for some to say it's okay. Um, it's We're all in this together. It's such a terrible, terrible thing to happen, but we are here and we have each other's back and that's the beauty of the food industry is we're always in this together. Um, so I'm really grateful that you invited me so I could share that side. I feel very honored. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for that. And like I said, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Um, I don't know if there's any, like, I don't know if you want to drop your social media handle real quick or if there's anything you kind of want to throw out there before we're done or. Um, if you want, I'm on Instagram, M I C H underscore Whitney. Um, just shoot me a message, whatever. If you have any questions about trans moving by yourself, if you mental health, I'm a huge person that I like to talk about mental health and make sure that everyone's mental health is okay. So if you need someone to talk to, I always have an ear to have an ear that's open. Awesome. Thank you for that. And uh, like I said, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me.